0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode episode 33 i'm your host josh shelton with my friend and co-host ryan ray ryan what's up buddy it's a good week man it's a good week it's uh getting
0: ready to rain over here in texas but uh it's uh, been a good week so far I've been busy but uh
1: excited for episode 33 josh yeah man i'm looking forward to it uh we had just a tons of stuff to, to cover today uh we had a great uh, great podcast we did last week i really enjoyed having sergio and blackman on uh, but, Ryan, we uh, several things we're going to jump into here here shortly. Uh, lots of breaking news that's been coming out uh, all over the Internet this week. Yeah, lots of stuff, lots of
0: stuff. But um, but first, Josh, we have a sponsor today, so let's get into that real quick. Today's sponsor is FreshBooks, which is the number one cloud accounting solution designed exclusively for small business owners who bill for their time. Go to GlobalEnergyMedia.com slash accounting so you can join the over 10 million businesses worldwide who use FreshBooks to make paperwork a breeze start your free trial by going to globalenergymedia.com slash accounting and you get 30 days free right off the bat.
1: Well, Ryan, the first uh, piece of, of news that we have that uh, we want to discuss is from the Wall Street Journal. Um, there's popularity right now of talking about break-even oil prices. Lots of discussions are going on. Um, people are focusing on trying to uh, make make everything profitable for for the investors. Uh, so this was a pretty intriguing article. I think uh, lots of lots of, in, lot of lots of interesting facts in there. Ryan, what was some of the, the major things you saw when you read through the article?
0: Yeah, I think Josh. Sometimes you know that saying goes, "The grass is always greener on the other side." It kind of applies to this, and oil and gas as a whole right now, because when you look at what's going on, we talked about this several times down the show. Um, from the pressure from Wall Street itself to oil and gas companies and from their investors, they're saying, "Hey, we want you to make more money. We want you to make more money. We don't want you to expand so much. We want you to make money. Focus on." Profits and returns, and in doing that, what, what you're starting to see is you're starting to see more discussion around the fact of you know break-even price or um, you know how they can you know improve improve their their profit. And so it's funny because break-even price, as we know, we talked about before on the show, as you know, they'll say the break-even price for the Permian is X, Y, and Z. Well, that's not true. Each company has their own break-even price, and we've actually seen Josh uh, from different stories that we've covered that some companies, you know, we I think we this was two or three weeks ago. There was talk of a company who who, uh, bought some assets, and they said they could make money, $27 a a barrel for for those wells that they bought. And the other company was going into bankruptcy. So kind of that break-even price, you've got to watch that. That's kind of... it's a, good, it's a good way to just kind of throw out numbers. But what you are seeing here is you're seeing companies, uh, in this article particularly, which we'll link to in the show notes, it talks about you know, Chevron and uh, BP and Shell saying, hey, you know, this is kind of our breakeven price, which is good information to know. Um, but on top of that, you're also seeing companies like ConocoPhillips coming out this week and saying, you know what, we did good. But we're going to reduce our budget by ten percent, so we can do better. And so you're seeing this this overall trend of companies saying, you know what, we're going to focus on returns and investments to our shareholders. The question is going to be: is if the price trajectory keeps going the way it is, which is up, and, um, we, and we keep drawing from the storage, at some point will this trend reverse? And I think that you know, um, it's going to have to come from the pressure from the banks and Wall Street. They're going to have to re- uh, let so much of pressure off these companies. Um, and said, you know what? Okay, guys, go out and drill and expand your budget. It's, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, Josh. I'm not really trying to weigh in on you know, what I think you should do. It's just interesting to kind of watch. As uh, if you remember, just you know, just a few short years ago, it was you know, how much acreage are you acquiring? How fast can you drill the wells? And now it's how much can you maximize your your profits and your returns? And then if the price hits a certain, you know, keeps heading up by uh, 2018, mid 2018. We could be talking about, instead of uh, maximizing, maximizing profits, we could be back again to you know how much acreage can you acquire, how fast can you drill the well. So it's just, it's just funny to kind of watch this. Um, it's, 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 it's these games you play. And I talked about the grass being greener a lot of people they like to take their 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 company public and you know when you get when you become public and you become public and then you're operating off a of credit well now you've got all these people that you have to answer to which makes you operate your business in a certain way and we've talked about that multiple times that you have to operate your business a certain way cuz you have to answer to these analysts to these banks and all these other things and so it's just, it's just it's 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 a uh, I don't want to say amusing because that's not the right term, but it's interesting to watch, you know, kind of how these quarterly earnings report come out. What do they say, and um, to kind of read between the lines of what's going on there?
1: Yeah, it's it is intriguing watching how some of these things change. You know, as as oil prices go up, all of a sudden the, the strategy uh, drastically transforms into something else. And you mentioned uh, ConocoPhillips; um, their their shares rose, I think, two point nine percent. And the, the stock gained about two percent this year, so you can see that they're really they were really focused on trying to, like you said, make make their shareholders profitable. Uh, that seemed to be their their primary, their primary goal. Uh, and, and, and that's and a as, good
0: goal to have. That's a good. I'm not, I'm not say, uh, I'm yeah, not, I like I say, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense yeah, for I mean, sure. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not trying to say hey, that's I'm not trying to weigh in on what I think they should or should be doing. Yeah, make your shareholders' profits usually a good idea. It's just <laughs> it's just interesting because you know three or four years ago you know shareholder profits weren't nearly as big of a concern as going and growing and also this ties into what we talked about with either Blackman or Sergio or in the last couple of weeks with this idea that the CEOs of these companies and you know their compensation you know has, has historically been tied to how fast can you grow the company now it's it's tied to how much can you grow the profitability of the company so this is this kind of it kind of goes to that trend we've talked about you know on the on the show now Josh for you know a couple of weeks or a couple of months now
1: yeah, I was, you know, just just curious about uh, why the focus was on growing the company rather than on growing the profit. I wonder why that was the emphasis that these com- companies had. It seems to me that growing the profits would make the most sense. Um, so I wonder, I wonder why they did it that way and what caused them to suddenly see that it's probably a better idea to do the profits, or or even if they change and go. Began to move away from trying to make the company profitable as the primary concern and focus more on getting more acres, getting more drills, getting more storage.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, when when oil price or gas price is high, you know, at that, you know, the the shareholders on some level, you know, that and I'm not talking about folks you know who may own one or two shares. I'm talking about the big shareholders, the you know people who have uh, large portions of 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 shares in these companies who could actually put a little sway into what they say. And then you have the banks and you have uh, the analysts, you know, all this stuff. That's what you have to remember when you're a publicly traded company. um, There's pressures that are coming from all over the place. And so, so on some level, there's a sense in which you can look at it and say, you know what, if we go and we drill these wells and then we drill, drill more wells and we go drill more wells, we're going to make more money eventually. Um, that's not That has not been the case, though. That's just not been the case. These companies who have expanded the drilling program, um, it seems that, 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 that they have not really, um, as far as the returns, have been able to generate that, which is why we're seeing this emphasis now. Um, yeah. However, the CEO was compensated, uh, the CEOs were compensated to go do that. And so if your compensation pushes you towards a model that says, The CEO is going to make more money by going and expanding his drilling program. Well, that's probably what he's going to do. And so it's it's one of these things, and I don't want to make it too simplified, but if we're talking about publicly traded companies, not privately owned, but publicly traded companies, again, we have to remember that these companies, there's so many different things that are are kind of influencing them. They have to be very careful what they say publicly. They have people who are always reading and analyzing. We're going to talk about an article article from Seeking Alpha in just a second. There's articles like this. for all kinds of companies all over the place, you know, all over the internet, all the time. So there's people always speculating on what they're doing. Are they doing it good? Are they doing it bad? And so it's, it's a very complicated thing. But, but may, I would say the main thing is, one, um, the banks are like anyone else. They're trying to make money. So they're saying, you know what, if we can lend more money to these companies, they can, expend, they can expand their drilling program and we can make more money, right? We're lending more, we make more. Two, yep. the CEO compensation is tied to, you know, how fast they grow the company, Therefore, the CEO is inclined to say this is what we want to do. Three, shareholders have been compliant with it. They haven't been going, you know what, we don't want you to do that anymore. We want you to, you know, focus on returns because they're like anyone else. They're going, you know what, maybe we can catch this, you know, get, get a hold of some of this acreage. Our is a smart guy, and we can kind of ride this wave. So everyone in this has been has been a part of the journey. So I'm not trying to say that the CEO's bad, the bank's bad, or the shareholders are bad. I'm not, it's, it's not about who's good or bad. It's just that's just how we've thought about it and now uh, there's a new school there's a new school of thinking about this stuff and it doesn't mean that that's the right way either because again if the price you know something crazy happens let's say the price shoots up to $85 next year I bet we're not going to see a lot of articles talking about increasing profitability we're going to see articles talking about increasing drilling programs and so this is where we're at right now and um, you know I do think that the broader discussion we've talked about before though is that some companies are going to cash, and that's really more interesting to me than some of this discussion. Because once you go to cash, uh, it's not that you can't get your credit line back. It's just that how you set up your whole thinking is, is different than if you have a credit line in general.
1: Yeah, it certainly will be different. I mean, just the uh, people you're going to be accountable to is going to be much uh, much less. And right. then, uh, But then you know your ability to expand is also going to be more difficult. Um, well, Ron, we got uh, a couple of articles. I say articles. Information from the EIA. Uh, some interesting stuff from uh, regarding imports and exports and how America has, has is is moving. You know, we're still we're still uh, much more importing than we do exporting, but it's been been a, a good transition, I think, happening where we're starting to kind of balance that out a bit. Um, you know, there's lots of information on this stuff. I mean, it's just tons of stuff. Uh, what was you know, two or three things, Ryan, that you noticed as you're looking through it that really stood out?
0: Yeah, and we'll link to um, a couple of these things in the show notes. Like you mentioned, Josh, there's so much that we can't link to it all, but you know, we're, we're referencing the EIA to, uh, October 2017 monthly energy review and the biggest takeaway just was kind of looking at some of these numbers um you know you know we always talk about oil, oil production and imports and exports we kind of throw around those terms but you know when you really when you really sit down and look at the numbers it's kind of it's kind of amazing to go back and to say that right now it's uh basically it's about two to one import to export right we're importing almost what you know we're importing um about twice as much as we're exporting. But if you go back to just to 2012, 2011, you know, 2010, you go back to that time period, and it was, you know, it's like three to one, four to one, crazy numbers, five to one even. Um, and so just within a few years, our ability to kind of rebalance ourselves um, from a domestic, you know, obviously now we have, you know, the show revolution that happened, so it's not like we we don't know why this happened. But, I, you know, the numbers are just kind of, they jump off the page sometimes, especially the further you get removed from them. And you can look at the charts and just kind of see where the U.S. was, um, where our fuel production has been historically, and how it's, you know, as it's gone up, how that's impacted the imports. Now, this isn't breaking news, you know, nothing nothing new here, but just to kind of look at the raw numbers and to look at how drastic they are of a change, it was just kind of, it kind of, kind of catches you a little bit off of surprise, at least for me, who doesn't, you know, I don't look at all these historic numbers all the time, and so... Um, on top of that, if you go back and you look at some of the natural gas numbers, I think the natural gas is really interesting because because everyone's talking about LNG's future and what's going on with that. Of course, the U.S. is you know full of natural gas, so we should be in a good position. Um, but the price of natural gas just doesn't go up; it doesn't really go up. Um, it sits around that three dollar right now for a while, and so you can but you can look at um, you know kind of the charts on natural gas where it was um, as far as domestic use. You know how that how that trend's kind of grown, but you can also look at the production and how it's paralleled that so a lot of good information there's there's some stuff that you can really get in the weeds on you can kind of go high level but um thought it'd be worth passing on to the listeners nothing again nothing nothing groundbreaking Josh this isn't breaking news or anything like that but it is it is fun to kind of sit down and look at these numbers. stuff you may talk about on a daily basis, but you've never really actually looked at the numbers. We all know that domestic production has increased because we work in the industry, but to realize maybe how much it's increased um compared to what, what, what maybe you thought it was um, maybe it was you know a little bit higher a little bit less so for me it was that's the kind of takeaway
1: yeah it was certainly illuminating to me when I when I was looking at it uh, you know I knew we were I knew where we were at in import and exporting but uh, I wasn't aware of where we were at in 2011 so when I saw that I thought wow you know we you know, we're, we're closer to five to one uh, imports now or two to one so I, just seeing that transition was uh, yeah it, it was Insightful, um, you know, seeing the direction that the country's going, and you know, hopefully, we can, uh, you know, under under this uh, in the in the show revolution, hopefully, we can we can use this to make you know uh, balance it out where we're exporting just as much as we import. That would be huge for the country if we could do that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you know, there's a lot of talk around there, and I'm not as optimistic as others may be on that. And uh, I think we got an article here in a few minutes that might kind of tip the hand on why but you know regardless of where we're at um, the fact that we've kind of cut the deficit from like you said five to one to two to one that's a big deal and that's a big deal and that should be um, you know we talked about just a minute ago about expansion and money and how all that ties in well you know what part of that model is part of the reason we have cut it from five to one right if companies weren't as entrepreneurial and going after it under that old system of expand and grow then we wouldn't be at five to one right now so there there has been definitely
1: benefits from that well we have a uh, a great article ryan from bloomberg uh the, the title of the article is could mexico be the next panama canal for gas uh interesting stuff here man i, I really enjoyed reading through this article and some of the things they are talking about doing um what do you think i mean we talk so much about yeah, mexico and, and the things that
0: yeah no 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 I, let me cut you off there josh i was just saying yeah i know for me when i read the article i thought holy cow how are they going to cut a canal through Mexico? That was kind of, you know, that's what the headline. I was (laughs) like, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of thinking in my head, where could you do that? That doesn't even make sense. And then as you read (laughs) the article, you realize it's not that. It's just kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it. But building a pipeline across Mexico. Now, here's a couple things about this. First off, um, I've been told by people um, in the industry that really the play right now with Mexico is to go and build a power plant on the Baja Peninsula and try to sell that power back to California because you could get it at a reduced price um, because of what's, you know where you could put it at in Mexico, you could build it for cheaper, all this stuff, and then you could sell the energy to California who needs it um, at a reduced price to make Californians happy. Um, so the Baja Peninsula in western Mexico has a lot of interesting things going on right now. Um, on top of that though, just the fact that people are sitting down and we're trying to figure out how do we reduce our cost. We're in a low-cost environment this is the way companies are thinking. Whether you're talking about drilling or shipping or transporting in general, they're thinking: How do we reduce our cost? And this is a great way to build a pipeline across Mexico. It does a lot of things, Josh. A, you know, as, you, as they talk about, it, it's going to reduce you know however many millions of dollars in shipping. You know, um, I don't want to say fees, but time and uh, energy and fuel just to drive through the Panama Canal. And you can ship it across so that's the first thing the second thing is it brings jobs to mexico right because they're not going to build one if they do this and it's successful well then everyone's going to want to build one so you're talking about a lot of pipelines that are going to go through mexico if this happens and it goes to you know the mexican the mexican government and our government and all the players can can work out all that needs to happen then you're going to you're going to see that that a lot of companies are going to take this up and we're going to talk about big pipe here this will be big pipe going through mexico mm. so it would be good for them on that level Um, Also, when you start doing stuff like this, you start thinking, okay, well, you know what? Uh, There is a need for a power plant in California. We've got a pipeline that's going over there huh, I wonder if we could send a pipe to that, you know, build a power plant on the Baja Peninsula and then sell that. So all those type of things, that, you know, when you start doing stuff like this, it starts off as a simple line to reduce cost from um, shipping through the Panama Canal to, to putting a pipe across Mexico. And then the next thing you know, 10, 15, 20 years, there's all kinds of fringe benefits because of this idea right here. So it's very exciting. And it's, 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 I think it's great because, you know, a couple of things. One, building pipe... Is it new? We've been building pipe forever, right? Mm-hmm. Two, the Permian Basin and Eagle Ford aren't new; they've been around for a while. So when we say that you know these deals are happening, um, it is a result of the low cost environment. But that's good; it makes ideas like this come to the forefront. This is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. It's something that we should have done, um, you know, a long time ago. Could we have done it before the the Mexico's energy uh, reformation? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We had to get maybe Sergio or, or someone on to kind of break that down for us. But the fact that we're talking about it now is really good because I think the long-term implications on U.S.-Mexican relationship and impact on Mexican economy and the potential to sell power and to, and to look at how we do power, uh, maybe for the West Coast of the U.S. and even Mexico, would can fundamentally change through deals like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think even for just from the Mexico standpoint – uh, the amount of profit that they will be able to generate from something like this would be through the roof. So it would be great for their economy as well as for the economy of California. You know they have uh, limits on on uh, their energy expenditure. So uh, I think it would be a fantastic thing to if yeah they could get it going. Yeah,
0: and just to be clear, there, this article is not saying that there will be a power plant in uh, Baja to right, sell to yeah. California. It's just that I've been told privately by some people. That that is the play. That if you can get if you can if you have the right connections in Mexico and the U.S. to put that power plant there um, and sell it to California would be uh, a very strategic play. And, my, my, and so, reading this, you go well. If they're starting to build pipelines that way, um, then this would be an easier step because right now, yeah, you have to. There is there is ways to pipe it to, to the Baja Peninsula, but this would actually make it easier. So, no, just just yep. to be clear on that.
1: Well, you uh, we, we mentioned the Seeking Alpha article just a few moments ago, Ryan. Uh, we, were, uh, we were talking about some of the EIA data and the ConocoPhillips. Uh, Seeking Alpha has an article that says that something's happening in the Eagleford, an analysis of recent EIA shale basin productivity data. It shows that the drilling in the Eagleford is becoming less profitable per well or per rig uh so they're not turning over as as much oil um as they were say last year, which some of that may just be common sense because they've already been drilled for a little while and it's natural for that uh that, that amount of production per well to decrease over time, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things I heard someone say the other day, and it really kind of got me questioning how I think about um all of this data is he basically said to the fact, to the fact of, um, to the effect of, rather, that you know you just kind of assume the CEOs of these companies are smart. If you kind of start with that, uh, that they're smart, and then you think about how we think about acreage, how we think about drilling programs, how we think about all that stuff, is if you're starting off with they're smart, then they probably drill their best wells first because they're smart, and they go, okay, this is the highest percentage chance I have of hitting. Um, Um, A a well that's going to be be the max profit, the max returns is is well A. Okay, and so they're going to go from A to Z, uh, best to best, best probability, highest probability to lowest probability, like that. So if you think like that, that kind of makes sense. These guys are smart; they're getting paid a lot of money, and if they start hitting dry holes with their first wells, it's going to be bad. Um, So if you kind of take that line of thinking and you look at what this article is pointing out. you know, their guess is there could be more ducks. Wells that are complete, um, or it could be a higher uh, oil to gas ratio. I mean, gas to oil ratio. My guess is that if it is ducks, the fact that it is ducks probably means that the wells aren't that good, and and the reason is I used to kind of be of the opinion that the ducks are wells that are out there that could be turned on at any moment um, to to start cash flowing at a certain price point. Now that could be true. There is some. that are definitely out there. I'm probably more of the opinion right now, and I'm still kind of working through some of the stuff, but I'm probably more of the opinion that ducks are whales that just aren't that good, and the reason is is that there are some whales that that we know that have been drilled that aren't any good. If you go back and look at some of the Barnett play drills they're just they're just whales that are drilled in areas that i mean for them to be profitable would be almost you know the the probability they'd be profitable would be so low that they're just not good they're probably not good whales um so I think that you know, if you look at the ducks, you know, I think that what's going on there is probably that the whales aren't that good. Um, and so that's why they're being, you know, they're being used the ducks. Right now, the, the price is the best it's been in a long time. So why would you have more ducks? So it probably is that the gas to oil ratio is higher, which means that the whales, if you're trying to get oil, is, is not good. So that's my takeaway, I think that um, if you just kind of sit back and just, You know, what is the most likely solution? The most likely solution is the CEOs are really smart. They've drilled the best wells. Now the longer we drill, we're going to drill a less probable, the the probability of the well being as good as the first well goes down. And so you're getting to a spot where you're seeing wells that are going to produce more gas, less oil. That that seems to be the most plausible um, answer to me. I'm not saying it's right, but just kind of thinking about it, that makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly what I was thinking um, as well. So that we should see you know more more gas uh, more gas and, and less oil over time, uh, and I think that's what the Eagle Ford is, is experiencing uh, right now.
0: Well, and, and well, one more thing, real quick, Josh, on that is that if you you know you could make the argument saying, well, you know they're drilling these they're you know they're drilling these wells, and they're waiting for the price to increase. Okay, so let's let's kind of talk about that real quick. The price could increase, right? The price could increase to, you know, maybe 60, 65, 70. Let's get crazy. Like, I think I threw out 85 earlier. Let's just say it gets to 85. Well, if you're waiting on it to get to 85, uh, you're kind of gambling that uh, next year is going to hit 85. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty big gamble because it might, not, it might not get to 85. Secondly, we've seen that a lot of companies are hedging out, as we talked about on the show before, Um, a couple you know, maybe two months ago companies are already hedging out through the first second quarter of 2018 okay so if you're hedging out then you know you don't you don't need to have a lot of ducks and so i I really think that this is a sign of concern more than it is a sign of you know um, waiting for the market to kind of recover oil prices are good right now they're they're going to get better but how much better is the question will they get to you know 65 maybe um but I really think that this is probably more oil to gas ratio i would love I love stuff like this, so listeners, if you've got an opinion on this, shoot us an email we'd love to hear your thoughts right at globalenergymedia.com. we're curious what you think. Maybe you work in the Eagle for more and you go, Hey, dummies, did you know this this and this? We go you know no we didn't that's that's new evidence, but based upon this kind of just the most plausible, easy solution seems to be that the uh, that the gas to oil ratio is increasing, and the wells just aren't as, aren't as profitable right now.
1: Yeah, and you know, just looking at the uh, the Seeking Alpha, you know, they it's a it's a great team over there that works on some of this stuff. Um, it, it, there's some of the questions they're raising about this, which I am very interested to find out, you know, what is really going on. But they raise some questions that say if if the decline in oil productivity is a result of a rise in, in ducks, then natural gas productivity should reflect that same decline, right. is what the, what they're arguing, and uh, and they're saying that it's not that uh, if you go look at there's a chart they have on here, we can link this um and the the Bakken and the permian uh, the oil productivity actually increased from 2016 to 2017 and the gas increased in the eagleford um, the oil went down but the gas went up you know a good a good degree i mean it went right. up a lot um from 2016 to 2017 and they they're just saying some of the stuff just don't quite make make any sense they they, they don't have a good answer for it uh, so it'd be really interesting to to keep track of this and see, you know, if they're ever to, you know, identify the the major factor there.
0: Yeah, and I think the, I think they have. I think they I think they're kinda of right on with saying that, that, that they think the oil to gas ratio is, is not as good as it used to be. So I tell you what, Josh, you know, next time we get surgery on we need to uh, need to ask him about this. I'm curious to see what, what he's hearing down there in the Eagleford.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would, that would. he's he's the Eagleford expert around here, isn't he? That's right. Well, uh, we have a couple of – two more articles, Ryan. Uh, one is, uh, is a, from rbenergy.com. It's Hot Legs, Crude Oil Shuttle Pipelines in the Permians, Delaware, and Midland Basins. Um, this one is basically – goes back and it tracks some of the history of the Permian. And you know, a few decades ago, there, were, uh, there was a pipeline that flowed uh, to Cushing, Oklahoma um, from the Permian. And there began to be a, a crude glut, uh, a supply glut at Cushing. And uh, so what they did is they, they created another pipeline around 2014 that shuttled uh, some crude to the Midland, Colorado City, and Crane. Um, and they did that to you know help get some of the supply out. So this uh, this article just kind of gave you a history of that. And uh, and, and we wanted to bring that, that article up because we have another article from uh, Tulsa World where one oak to extend pipeline into the delaware basin um so there this this company here is uh kind of following that, that pattern of trying to get some some more ways to export or, or uh transport rather uh some of this oil out of the permian
0: yeah i think josh you know we we try to point the listeners to you know business opportunities and you know job opportunities and one of the things that struck me this week was um caterpillar uh, they, they released their third or, uh, their third quarter earnings, and they came back really ahead of schedule. They were doing good. If you look at their stock compared to a year ago, it's trading right now like 137 last year at this time. I think it was like the mid-80s. So they're really doing well. Why is that? Well, that is because um, the oil and gas industry, obviously, is is a factor in that. You know, They have a couple other factors, but the oil and gas industry is one of them. Now, we're getting towards the end of the year, and one of the things we talked about on the show, we just saw that ConocoPhillips is cutting their budget for the rest of the year by 10%. Companies are kind of slowing down. And you go, okay, so Caterpillar, though, they're, they're still doing well. Their third quarter was really good, and their fourth quarter probably won't be as good, but it'll be good. Why is that? We have to remember that if we're in the oil and gas business, that things don't always happen at the same time. And, I mean, it sounds kind of simple, but let's think about it. If you drill a well today... Um, and there's not a pipeline, then a pipeline has to be built, right? And so, what, what, if you kind of blow that up on scale, what you're going to see is is that in the industry, sometimes we kind of lose this this mentality of. Um, uh, or forget, rather, that, you know what, maybe the, the, that the drillers are slowing down, but the pipeline companies are still going or ramping up because they're trying to catch up with all the production that was done over the past year. And that's what we're seeing right now is we're seeing that um, you look at, like, like like with the Caterpillar analogy, you know, their, their stuff is increasing. Well, that's because the, the midstream companies and pipeline companies are getting calls saying, hey, you know what, our capacity uh, for this system is, is, you know, is reaching max capacity. We need more pipe out there. So right now in the business, it's kind of interesting. If you can get in with some of these midstream companies who are laying, who are looking to lay or laying projects, third, fourth quarter, first quarter of uh, 2018, you might can catch a lot of work right now because there was a lag. Um, If you go back to 2016, 2015, so many midstream companies, um, In first half of 2015, you saw a lot of work. Second half of 2015, you saw less work. 2016 was really slow. 2017, people were kind of waiting to see how much drilling was going to happen before they ramped it up, and now it seems that the midstream companies are really in full production right now. So it's, it's a great chance just to kind of think about the the oil and gas um, as we go to this fourth quarter. If you're out there looking for you know, to capitalize on opportunities, to think about how to how to make yourselves a marketing strategy for the fourth quarter of uh, 2017, my my emphasis my emphasis would be on midstream pipeline companies because there's projects, they're getting calls right now, I'll talk to people in the industry, and um, you know producers are calling, uh, commercial deals are out there being negotiated where people are trying to put in pipe because you know, we have to meet the demand, right, Josh? And so you drill know, you these wells and you start trucking it, you're going to want pipe in the ground pretty quickly. And so I know there's deals out there all the time. So I think that's the biggest takeaway is when you read this stuff about um, you know, whether you start where we started at, which is saying that you know, companies are going to slow down, they're going pro- to increase productivity, uh, profit margin, rather. Uh, okay, well, that's fine. Guess what? If they're still drilling wells and they've drilled wells, then these pipeline companies have to go up and catch up to the to the um, to the overflow or the lack of capacity that was in that area.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing around know, the, the, uh, some of these pipeline companies. I think this one uh, is 120 mile 16 inch pipeline, um, 110,000 barrels per day. That's going to be going from uh, from the Delaware, Delaware Basin. So uh, I think I think you're exactly right.
0: Yeah, and you know the, the first article you mentioned kind of goes through some of uh, some of the, uh, some of that stuff on some level, so it's it's good stuff. We'll link to all of that in the show notes, Josh. But, you know, um, I think we've covered, <laughs> covered kind of a wide swath. But I, I would just kind of, as far as the articles go, I think that as we go into 20, uh, the end of the end of 2017, rather, that's kind of the big takeaway is if you're looking to, you know, business development, marketing right now, as these producers try to balance out their budget, increase uh, profitability to the shareholders, pipe will have to be put in the ground for, you know, six, eight, nine, ten more months at a, at a pretty high pace just to catch up with what's been done this year.
1: Well, Ryan, you know, we normally uh, take a moment to go over the rig count uh, from drilling info. Uh, This week we were at 1,009, which is down 1% from where we were last week. Uh, So last week we were up, um, I think we were up from like 951 up to 1,009 or something like that. So uh, we're just hanging right there around around the 1,000 mark. Yep, yep, and that is
0: reminder. That is the drilling info rig count, Josh, uh, for the listeners. And so, if you want to go, you can go to uh, diindex.drillinginfo.com to check that out.
1: All right, and uh, Ryan, uh, we were any any events uh, that we have coming up that, that we need to mention?
0: No, not this week, Josh. Um, a few weeks from now, I will be in Houston for the Heartland Institute um, conference. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's, I think it's the um, I think it's the American Energy First Conference or something like that is the title. Uh, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke will be there and a host of other folks. And so um, I'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested in attending. It's an all-day deal. It's like 8 to 8. So it is a wall-to-wall, wall, um, you know, 2-3 Red Bull kind of day deal. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, so, yeah, it's going to be a long day for sure, Josh. But uh, before we get out of here, let's thank our sponsor one more time, which is FreshBook. And if you have a small business and you are billing by the hour for time, um, things like that, be sure to check out FreshBook. And you can do that, get a 30-day free trial by going to globalenergymedia.com slash accounting. <music>